You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. The day I listen to somebody giving me fashion advice, have you seen my style, man? I, I don't listen yeah, it, to it's, anybody. It's, fo- it's football jerseys and Rough Rider t-shirts, the odd Hawaiian shirt and shorts. <laughs> Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Curra. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, hunt! And we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, Brazilian Thai. Man, do you know what the absolute worst thing, and I know you don't have this problem, to get in your beard is? I'm going to guess syrup. Syrup, that is pretty bad. Well, actually, I'm going to take an educated guess and say rib sauce. You know what? I was actually okay with that. I knew I made it in my life when I was a judge of a rib competition. <laughs> yeah, I don't. It's only downhill from here now. <laughs> it is egg yolks. Oh, like, I have. It's really hard to explain, but they get in your beard or wherever they get, but they almost dry out and become flaky. Oh. Hmm. I need to start eating breakfast before I shower because the whole eating after I shower thing is not working out for me. <laughs> it's like it's like people that brush their teeth after they put on a tie. You know who does that? <laughs> Psychopaths. <laughs> Join two and out for CFL Fantasy and CFL Pick'em and show Kura and Ty what you got. They are who we thought they were. Just click cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Enough from talking about it. Has to be consequences. And pick'em.cfl.ca. All right, and we start things by saying thanking you for being patient. Uh, a different, I guess, Monday night episode of Two and Out this time around uh, with strict instructions to not at us, but Dwayne broke the rules. He added me, saying that us loyal Two and Out listeners are waiting for the podcast. Well, it's partly my fault. It's time zone's fault. It is work fault. And uh, here we are <laughs> with a podcast either way. The first game of the week, I think, surprised a lot of people. And I think this is going to be a theme this week. I don't think it's exactly surprising that Ottawa showed up and beat Winnipeg. It's surprising that they beat them by 23 points. <laughs> Yeah, that that was a little that was a little bit of a shock to the system. Oh and yeah, Winnipeg only Winnipeg only had one turnover on defense. Yeah, and that's uh, th- that's low for that team. <laughs> yeah, if, if it goes to show if you can, if you can control the ball and you know time of possession in this game too is pretty lopsided. If you can if you can protect the ball, you're gonna you can beat Winnipeg. That's true. You know the Bombers. Uh, I, I think Bomber fans will say that this defense reminded them of maybe last year's defense, a 44-21 final, uh, struggling to, you know, stop Trevor Harris and, and you know, limit those drives because you're right, the time of possession there, just over 33 minutes 
for the Red Blacks, the drives that they had were long, and they beat down a team. And part of that is Winnipeg and the penalties that they were taking as well. They only gave up 80 yards, but there were 11 of them. And sometimes those small penalties that extend drives just absolutely crush you. Yeah, even if that penalty doesn't give up a first down, it gives it's basically a free play, and, and the offense can can regroup if that play didn't didn't pan out and you know it's a shorter shorter distance for a first down it kind of expands the playbook you can make different decisions and you know that, that that's what hurts you um you know yeah giving up first downs penalty wise is isn't great but even if they're not giving up those first downs with penalties uh you're still giving that offense second chances and we see it in baseball you know not being able to finish off a guy and he fouls off pitches fouls off pitches and pitch 14 he puts over the fence um you know you, you need to you need to Hunk, bunker da- hunker down and, and, and make the plays, but also be smart about it and be disciplined, and uh, that came back to bite them in the butt. At the end of the day, uh, Harris only had one passing touchdown, but almost 75% uh, completion percentage, 361 yards, and Dominic Rimes had a very nice game here. That's a guy I'll be watching uh, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, R.J. Harris was kind of the secondary option over the last little while, but he only had two catches for 30 yards here. Dominic Rimes goes five for 81, had the touchdown, and burned Kevin Fogg twice in a row there. Mm-hmm. Kevin Fogg kind of had a struggled a little bit in this one on defense. Yeah, um, it just it seemed out of sorts. It it didn't seem like the normal, even the whole secondary. I, I don't think played all that great. Um, they only gave up the one touchdown, but I mean, you're giving up 361 yards. It's hard to say anybody had a really good day. And you know, I think who deserves a shout out for well, pretty much the entire Ottawa defense. Uh, I think it was Danny Mason. I think it was number 95 there. And he was matched up against Trevor Harris. And it wasn't just in running plays. He was covering him in the air as well. And the kid did a hell of a job. And actually the entire front seven without, as we've talked about, Kyrie Zebear did a hell of a job shutting down Andrew Harris. And when you do that Mm -hmm. uh, for the Bombers... I know he had the 12 carries for 72 yards and a touchdown. They were able to really limit him, especially in the air. He only had 11 yards receiving. If you hold Andrew Harris under 100 yards and either one of those, you can count as a win, but to hold him at under 100 yards total for the game, that right there shows that you know Ottawa's defense like instantly gives them a chance to win. If you're... Cause He's their number one threat. Granted, I mean, Darvin Adams, 162 yards on eight catches, but that offense runs through Andrew Harris. Uh, you know, they establish the run. They, they they establish the line of scrimmage, and Ottawa took that away, you know, with a depleted front seven, and this that they won the football game because they took the biggest weapon away that Matt Nichols had, and it takes a lot of pressure off Matt Nichols when he's able to give the ball to Andrew Harris, and Harris is able to, to run and get first downs and keep sustained drives, but he wasn't great yet. 72 yards, a touchdown, but they just weren't able to, to really establish, uh, you know, Andrew Harris in the game and, and Ottawa benefited from that. And even their offense, it, it just gave them, you know, more time with the ball and, you know, they, they scored, they, they finished drives uh, finally, which was nice to see um, instead of just kicking field goals. 
Ottawa's running game did well as well. William Powell had 18 mm-hmm. carries for 106 yards. He added another 46 through the air. And Greg Ellingson has his second straight 100-yard game. Uh, Brad Sinopoli, just a terrible game, only 51 receiving yards. <laughs> yeah, that that is terrible considering what he's done. <laughs> I guess we do have some things to talk about in Winnipeg. There are a couple things, and I think one of them, I'll save them for the Edmonton game. I think you know where I'm going with that one. But, uh, I, I do, yes. Yeah. Uh, Matt Nichols here gets booed by uh, the Winnipeg faithful. And I, I saw Rod Peterson say that he can only count on one hand the amount of times Ryder fans have booed their team. I think that's a bit of a lie. <laughs> well, I mean, if we're talking about the shepherd that leads all the sheep in Ryder Nation with Rod Peterson, are we not? I maintain that that invisible line between Saskatchewan and Manitoba, all that does, it means you cheer for a different football team. Those provinces, man, are one and the same. But Matt Nichols had a, almost yeah. a 300-yard game. He... I know he was without Weston Dressler here, and that's another thing for the Red Blacks' defense. They really uh, took Nick Dembski out of this game. He's had some great mm-hmm. games over the past little while. Darvin Adams had 162 yards, two beautiful touchdown passes from Matt Nichols, but he gets booed. He comes out of the game. He was taking hits left and right in this one. The bomber protection was not that good for Matt Nichols. So Streveler came in. Uh, Nichols shook shook it off, comes back into the game, gets booed, and then he called out the the, the fans uh, saying, you know, he's given his heart and soul to this city. Again, it's very similar to what Vernon Adams said a few weeks ago, but Mm -hmm. a little chink in the armor of Matt Nichols. I don't think we've seen much of this from him in the past. No, he's usually pretty tight-lipped when it comes to stuff like this. Um, I get why they were booing. Like, I I totally understand it. Um, You're down by three scores. Your quarterback has been run over, and now he's hurt. And he basically talked himself back back into this game. Why? What is he going to accomplish in the last four minutes other than get hurt? And strip... That's what that's what your backup quarterback does in garbage time when you're down by three scores. They weren't coming back in this game. Leave Strevler in there. There's no reason for Matt Nichols to go in. The offensive line wasn't protecting him. What happens if he goes in in the next play? He gets a concussion. He's out for four weeks. Like, I don't know if they're necessarily. I don't know if they're necessarily booing Matt Nichols or just the decision for him to go back in this game. Yeah, and that's what I saw from some fans. They were saying they were booing the decision to put him back mm-hmm. into the game and. And I fully support that. Speaking of protection on Matt Nichols, Jamarcus Hardrick gets hurt late in that Mm -hmm. game, and it didn't look good. And if he's out, he's one of the best, I think, offensive linemen in the league. Mm -hmm. And and this is why Winnipeg's O-line has been so good over the past little while. Continuity and also basically the same guys playing week in, week out, playing as a unit without mm-hmm. uh, Hardrick there, that could be a really big loss. The one saving grace is that he was walking around. Yeah. Um, you know, he did walk, He did watch the locker room, so, you know, it might be a one- or two-week thing. 
Uh, it might he might be able to practice this week. We don't know. Um, you know he he didn't get carried off. Uh, you know on the cart like we've seen so many times this year already. It seems like we've seen that a lot. Um, but yeah, so if if he's healthy, you know, and maybe it's only a one or two week thing, uh, they won't suffer that much. I have a feeling that he will be healthy come Labor Day. Yeah, all of a sudden. In the playoffs, the Grey Cup, and Labor Day, guys feel a lot better. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird. Weird how that works. I know. I know. For me, come playoff time, I'm calling in sick because I want to stay home and watch playoffs. <laughs> I don't play in the playoffs. Don't get me wrong. I don't do that. That's that's just that's a fool's that's a fool's errand. You don't get paid for playoffs. Why would I play? It's the exact opposite for a fan, though. <laughs> You're right. Playoffs. Yes. I'm calling in yeah. sick. Labor Day, I'm calling in sick. Great Cup, I'm calling in sick. The players are doing all they can. Broken ribs, whatever. I'm going to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, <laughs> like, Patrice Bergeron played in the Stanley Cup final with a hole in his lung. Punctured lung? Like, are you kidding me? I get a, like, a, like, I get a bad sunburn. It's like, I don't know. I didn't sleep that well. I'm pretty hot. I can't even wear a T-shirt. I get a hangnail. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's my life. All I do is chew nails. Oh, those those can be pretty bad, man. I got a gross story what? for you. So I had two hangnails, my two big toes. They were just absolutely brutal. And Hangnail or ingrown nail? I don't know. Ingrown, probably. I had to get them both removed. Oh. Yeah, that's a, that's an ingrown toenail. So you go to the doctor and he puts the freezing in your toes, and your the skin on your toes, man. I think the needles was the worst part. And then, it, I guess if you like have chronic ingrown nails, they'll like take up the nail bed, so you have no more toenail. But for me, yep. he like sticks this wedge under your toenail and rips it out. It is one of the most disgusting things. You've ever seen. (laughs) Yeah, but it's not the most disgusting thing you've ever seen. I can guarantee you that. That's true. And then they put the bandage on, and it sticks to your nail bed, man. So I had a party at my place late in the night. Thanks for the invite. Thanks for the invite. Late in the night, I (laughs) tore the bandage off. Oh, that's the only way I could do it. About two thirty in the morning, it was terrible. Was was this the party at your parents' house? I think so. Yep. That you had to flip the breaker to get everybody out. Yes, sir. <laughs> okay, I was there. I was there. Yeah, so don't go whining about an invite. <laughs> that was a great night. <laughs> On to the next game. The Toronto Argonauts beat the Lions twenty four twenty three. I know we don't have this stat on hand. When's the last time a team won two games in a row by a point? Oh, that's a great question. That, um, that has to I, be a while. It, 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 I would think so. Um, I, I could probably find that for Wednesday. Just, All right. uh, I'll make a note of it. I will make a note of it, and I will find it, and I will, we will let the people know. All right. We'll, we'll see what happens uh, with that one. But McLeod Bethel-Thompson... Undefeated as a starter. I do want to mention they had over 18,000 in the stands there. The most for a game at BMO Field since the Argos first played there. 
So there are some positives here to build off of. I know they got free passes to the CNE or whatever, but that's a nice little day for uh, the Argos. 18,000, that's huge. Um, you know, I get it that there's that incentive with the CNE ticket, but there's still 18,000 people there or 18,000 tickets sold. Um, it, it's That's good for the Argos in that situation. Um, you know, not only 18,000, but the coolest Canadian, the coolest man in Canada was there. Uh, Bobby Baker. Yes, uh, sir. Got a little bit of screen time. Um, I don't know if people know us, but we are a huge hip fan, so that was kind of nice to see. Um, you know, I I always get a little just get a little emotional when I when I see some of my favorite guys getting TV time. I don't know. Is, is it just me, or do you get like that too? Well, I did not cry because Bobby Baker was in the house. I didn't cry. I just thought it was cool. Oh, I did think it was cool. I agree with you there. And apparently, I guess emotional is the wrong word. He's a big football guy, apparent uh, according to uh, Mike Hogan. Yeah, I was listening to the broadcast in the in the because I had to work, of course, like I always seem to do. Uh, they played football with Mike, and Mike's dad coached, and like um, Bobby Gord. Um, the other Gord Sinclair, um, they they all played uh, like it's just it's ingrained in them. hockey too. They all played hockey together. Like that, sports is as much a part of them as the music is. It seems. Yeah, I thought it was cool uh, to see him in the house. Um, Anthony Coombs makes his return to the lineup and instantly makes an impact. Man, I had a lineup with Mike Riley. Shaq Cooper, Anthony Coombs, of course I changed my mind. Coombs has uh, three catches, 56 yards, a touchdown, and he had the one carry for five yards. But I think it has to be said, Gary Peters got burned on a few touchdowns, including one of the Coombs touchdowns. And Mm -hmm. I know it's because of the BMO field turf in the end zone. He ended up falling on it, but uh, it's nice to see Coombs back. He has had injury issues over the last little while, but that is just another weapon for McLeod Bethel Thompson. And and the worst part is, is that I told Andrew from the empire to not take him and take Drew Wolitarski instead. Whoops. Of course you did. Well, I, once I told him that, he should have known to put Coombs in if he listens. Do to the, show the exact all. opposite. Yeah. Like, I had Darvin Adams in my lineup. I took him out. Of course, he scores 36 points. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That, that really, really hurts. SJ Green, I think you had him, didn't you? Seven targets, but two catches on 28 yards. 4.8 points. For what I paid was not a good, not a good or a good payoff for sure. James Wilder Jr. He has himself a nice game, ninety-one yards on the ground, mm-hmm. uh, forty-nine yards through the air, no touchdowns there. Um, but the big thing here for the Argos is basically uh, another come from behind win. They were down ten, and then the Lions they let. Toronto back in this game and it looked like you know BC they almost had the ball it seemed like for the entire you know second half of the fourth quarter and their last three drives end in a turnover I know the very last one 
was uh, Manny Arsenal trying for the the punt rouge there and ended up getting nailed there. We'll see if he's going to be okay <laughs> against Saskatchewan because that did not look good at all. But the drive before, he also had himself a fumble. The drive before that was an interception. And the drive before that, they had like four possessions in the last five minutes, and they could not get one point. My beef is at about 445 left in the game, they had the ball on the 52. And Ty Long, one of the biggest legs in the Canadian Football League, could have punted for the Rouge, forcing a tie and making things real interesting at the end of the game. Now, I know there was almost five minutes left in the game. In the CFL, that is an eternity. Maybe if we change it to about 45 seconds late in the game, Buono makes the call Mm -hmm. for uh, Long to boot it and go for the Rouge. But, man, uh, I would like to see coaches uh, employ that strategy a little bit more, and I thought they could have in that situation. Well, that that situation, I mean, that that's a definite possibility. Um, with that amount of time left on the clock, though, you still think you can get the ball back, and and maybe maybe go for the field goal and get the win. So I get where Bono's coming from with that. But at the same time, if you have an opportunity to get points, and I know people are going to say the rouge is kind of chintzy a chintzy way to tie a game when you're intending to get the rouge. Um, you don't see teams do it that often. Um, but in order to win a game when you're down, if you can tie it, you're giving yourself another opportunity. Um, but from the 52, I mean, that that's 65 yards, and you got to get it out. Um, I mean, I don't know how deep Long would have got it in. I think it could have been returned unless you can angle it. it. That becomes a really tough call for Buono, so I get why he didn't make it. Uh, I was big on Kevin Elliott this week. He had four or eight targets but only the four catches for 28 yards, so that one burns me a little bit. What was bad about Elliott's game is he also took two real costly penalties uh, for the Lions that basically you know, took away big mm-hmm. yardage and possible points off the board here. And this is not a good spot for the BC Lions because all of a sudden, next week, they have a Saskatchewan team with a lot of swagger right now. We'll see if the Riders can do what they just did on the road here. But the Lions, I don't know why they get away from Jeremiah Johnson. He had 11 carries for 60 yards and a touchdown. He also had five catches for 57 yards. I know that 16 touches, but the carry screams out to me. Even get Rainey involved there because he had four for 36, nine yards of carry there. Uh, you know, two yard, two two run plays over 10 yards there. They needed to run the ball more to control that clock because they were having success with it. And that's what you do when you're up in a football game. You run the ball and you control the clock and, and you know, keep the ball away from the other team, um, you know, 11 carries for Jeremiah Johnson and another five kit. That's not enough. Uh, he, Jeremiah Johnson should be running the ball anywhere from 15 to 20 times. Especially in he's a game that's five, close. Right, and he's averaging 5.5 a carry. Like, give the guy the ball. I, I don't understand why teams totally change their game plan um, when they're up. It's like, no, you, you, you gave it to him early, keep giving it to him. What does it hurt? Until it doesn't work, keep doing it. It's like they're changing for the sake of change. And it, 
Buono's a Buono's smarter than that, I would think. I don't I don't know what happened. I I, I know he's not the OC, but I mean he's still got to be able to, to tell the guy like we got to keep doing this, we got to keep doing this, and they they went away from it and it cost them. Two big wins in a row for the Toronto Argonauts, both by one point. Uh, the fans that are getting out to BMO Field, they're getting their money's worth, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. It's like the first year I had season tickets in Edmonton. They're, the first four weeks, we were spoiled. Oh, yeah. There was like a couple overtime games. It was just amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know, good good football will bring fans in, but if you're winning and playing good football, it's even better. A quick thank you to ATB Financial. They got the no-fee, all-in, and all-in digital checking and savings accounts. I know Brazilian Ty, he's gone from home for about three months here, and your mom's going to be checking on your mail, but you can get rid of that with ATB. ATB ATB.com, and I think the best part here is uh, the Interact e-transfers. There's no fee on that. Unlimited digital transactions, no monthly fee, no minimum balance, and you get the interest on higher balances as well. So check out the no fee all in at atb.com. We move on to Commonwealth Stadium Saturday afternoon. The Eskimos beat the Owls 40 to 24. And I'm just going to say this Ian is our season ticket buddy, sits behind me, BC Lions fan. I, Eskimo fans that show up to the stadium. They're probably like, what is going on here? I wear my rider stuff to every game. Ian wears, wears his lion stuff to every game. <laughs> yeah, just, we're weirdos, aren't we? <laughs> just drive the fans in Edmonton absolutely insane. But, hey, we're paying customers. We're going to wear what we want. But we started you calling. You don't want us here? Buy the tickets yourselves. Yeah, absolutely. You want my seat? <laughs> here, buy it. You wear what you want. The, 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 the day I listen to somebody giving me fashion advice, have you seen my style, man? I, I don't listen yeah, it, to anybody. It's, it's fo- it's football jerseys and Rough Rider t-shirts, the odd Hawaiian shirt, and shorts. <laughs> That's a magazine cover if I ever saw one. I yeah, don't know what like magazine, highlights. but there's got to be one. <laughs> highlights magazine, like when we were kids. <laughs> anyway, we're calling... You're definitely, not, you're definitely not on the cover of GQ. No, I tell you that much. Uh, <laughs> we were calling Antonio Pipkin, Pigskin Pipkin. <laughs> you know what? I think that the Owls kind of have something in Pipkin. I didn't think that he looked bad. I, I thought that the Eskimos were going to be aggressive on this quarterback, make it really hard on him, but they weren't. And I don't know if that's the Eskimos letting up. I, I don't know what it is there. But Pipkin had an all right game as a debut. And it would have been a lot better of a game for him if his receivers would help him out. TJ Graham. That's a broken record, isn't it? It is. TJ Graham had a beautiful throw right in the basket, and it goes. It hits him in the head. Like, it went right between his hands. So, uh, Pipkin, how is any quarterback going to succeed in this offense? So, all of a sudden, I think the Owls got some quarterbacks that they they have something with. Uh, Pipkin, Adams, and Manziel. I know Pipkin 
in this game was a bit of an unknown quantity because there's no, you know, no film on him or anything like that. But I thought it was a decent debut for the kid. Uh, yeah, for sure. 217 yards, pick, and a touchdown. Um, they say that the the most dangerous quarterback you can face is one you know nothing about. Yeah, and and, and you know he didn't he didn't have the greatest game, but he didn't play terrible. And like in all honesty, the the Owls had a chance. You know they weren't down by all that. Like after the first quarter it was ten seven, and then it was twenty four to fourteen or twenty seven to fourteen. That that's not bad. I mean. They, they still had a chance to make adjustments and come out and win the second half. And, you know, they just got overmatched and, you know, scored a single point in the third quarter and then it was kind of uh, turn off the lights. But um, to to come in in your first game, Caldwell Stadium, you know, not the greatest passing percentage or completion percentage, but, I mean, his receivers didn't help him out. Um, you know, the running game was kind of non-existent. Tyrell Sutton on carries, 31 yards. Um just the the offense is somewhat anemic or like somewhat isn't the right word it is anemic in Montreal because of the lack of receiving and you know 14 completions to to nine guys that that's not good um you know guys need to catch the ball but i mean for a debut against you know a, a very established defense um that's played together for a while uh, it, it's not terrible, and, and he he didn't make a lot of mistakes, which which is huge for a young quarterback. Yeah, I, I don't think he did. I, I think the Owls maybe have something uh, with their three mm-hmm. quarterbacks there, but the Esks let Montreal stay in the game. I, I know they won by you know two scores when you put the two point conversions in there, but they're up ten nothing, and then they try the onside kick. And gives Montreal a short field, and what did they do with it? They took advantage of it and scored a touchdown. Mm-hmm. That I, I I understand it. We we saw it in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago with the Saints, you know, surprising the Colts. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that's what Moss was going for here. Uh, you, if you're gonna do that, you have to get the ball. You, you have to recover that because you're you're almost giving up points automatically. Um, you know. Boris Beatty, it's so good. You, you can't give him a, a a shot from inside 50 yards because 9 out of 10 times he's making that. So it, even if they would have only given up a field goal, you're still giving up points. So, you know, you're, you're really accomplishing nothing if you don't recover that kick, and especially when you don't need to. Why not kick it deep and trust your defense? Um, you know, did, you were shutting them out. Why Why give them any life? And Jim Barker said it too. Why Why are you You're letting them stay in the game? You're, you're giving them... Energy, you're giving them a, a, a fighting chance, and, and what's the point? What is the point? I almost would have rather seen it at 17 nothing instead of, you know, 10 nothing. Because then you're still two scores. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes sense. But yeah, I, I guess, like, it's, I, I don't get it. But there's a lot of stuff that, you know, we saw it in the West Final. Jason was kicking that field goal, and I tried to defend it, saying you got to put the trust in your defense. You know, take the points when you can get it, because if, if you go for the touchdown and you don't get it, well, it doesn't matter if you kick a field goal in your next drive, the game's over. So take the points when you can get it. You, you didn't need to do this at this juncture in the game. In the first quarter, you're up 10 nothing. Why, why are you onside kicking? You're, you're just asking for trouble. And, and they came down and scored, and it was 10-7. Everybody's like, okay. 
here we go. But, you know, they're able to overcome that, which we kind of figured they would with their offense. But I I think it was a poor decision. I do not understand why Sutton did not get the ball more before he got hurt. Um, but mm-hmm. we've been saying that all season. He had nine carries of 31 yards. And I think Sutton might go down uh, of as maybe the most underrated player in the CFL over the last decade or so because he, he's on – an Alouette team. Like I, I wonder what Sutton would have done if he was on that team with Calvillo. And I, I know they oh. had, they were taken care of back then with Whitaker and Coburn and guys like that. But uh, Sutton, I think would have had a, <laughs> a hell of a lot better career. And people would be talking about him a lot more if uh, he was on a team like that, but he gets carted off. You never want to see that and I, I I hope it's not as bad as it looked and going forward it looks like the guy's going to be William Standback and he only had the catch for 30 yards in here he was returning kicks as well and TSN CFL Fantasy I, I know uh, the injured guys you want to respect them but it is kind of the next guy up uh, when it comes to fantasy and Standback they've already upped his price to $4,000 still cheap and I really kind of like that against Toronto in the upcoming week. It's just Montreal's offense is just so they 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 don't catch the ball very well, uh, and you know they 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 didn't they ran it twelve times. Like I would think that they'd be running it more with Mike Sherman. I know, who, you know coach college ball and coach NFL where you, you run the ball you. I, I think he's scared of only having two downs to get the first down, so he doesn't want to run it. He doesn't. I don't think he knows what he has in Tyrell Sutton. But we've seen it this year where, you know, he can run for a seven or eight-yard average. But, you know, they, they just don't commit, and I don't get it. it if you're not, not going to commit to running the football, I don't care what league you're in, the team that commits to running the football usually is able to win that game because you control the line of scrimmage, you control the clock, you control the tempo. Montreal's not doing any of that. Except for one game against the Saskatchewan team that we have no idea how the hell it happened. Looking back, watching these last couple of weeks, like what what happened in that game against Saskatchewan? Because this is not, this is a completely different team from week from that week to the next week into this week. Now, it, it, I, I don't get it. Ernest Jackson, and this is another broken record situation. Absolutely invisible. Two targets, one catch, and 11 yards. And Adarius Bowman had two catches for 19 yards. I think this is his first game back in Edmonton as a member of uh, another team. And he ends up getting ejected after a bit of a skirmish, I guess, with Mercy Maston. And this is the second week in a row we've seen this sort of stuff from Bowman. Throwing the punches a little bit here. I do think... It was kind of power tripping from Bradbury, and I said this to Andrew oh, from the weird. Eskimo Empire podcast to throw them both out there. But this doesn't seem like a Darius Bowman to be uh, this aggressive and this frustrated. Uh, I, I know he's been on good Edmonton teams lately, but uh, he's got to be a frustrated guy right now. I think his play is the reason he'd be frustrated. What what has he done this year? Like he was on a Winnipeg team that. When he went to Winnipeg, it was like another target for Matt Nichols, another weapon, and he does nothing. He has three games with no catches. So they trade in Montreal, and, you know, he went into that room and said, well, there's some really good vets here. You know, I expected the room to be bad. 
he's not helping them there either. So I wonder if Edmonton saw something and they knew, like, okay, it's time to part ways here. Um, and then to look surprised that he got ejected, it's like, dude, you knocked a guy's helmet off. With a, with It was a slap. He didn't punch him, but it's still anything like that. You know you're getting ejected. You know it's going to come. And, and they throw Mastin out just because of the retaliation. And, you know, there's blows to the head and they're all about player safety. Um, so I get that. Um, but like you said, yeah, frustrated. But his his play... I think he's more frustrated with himself than anything else. As for Edmonton, Mike Riley, he does his MOP things, 33 of 42, 424 yards, three TDs, and an interception. And he crosses the 25,000 passing yard mark in his career. (laughs) We're watching somebody special, man. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, he does it it both ways, whether it's rushing or passing the ball. uh, He can do it all. Um, you know, when Shaq Cooper looked like he ran in that second touchdown of his, uh, and it turned out he was out of bounds and or fumbled, I guess it was called. Uh, I was like, okay, well, give it to Shaq. Let let the rook get one. And then I thought about it. I'm like, nope, it's Mike Riley. And they even said on the broadcast, if CJ Gable's not getting that ball, there's no way Shaq Cooper's getting that ball. Yeah, and at 2,500 bucks, I would have liked an extra six points. <laughs> And either way, Cooper had a oh, and I thought, oh, yeah, I thought they should have given the kid a given the kid a touchdown uh, after the effort he put to, in getting them that close. But he had 17 carries, mm-hmm. 102 yards, uh, five catches, and 41 yards. He had the receiving touchdown. Now I know on the surface, yeah, it's a really good game for Shaq Cooper, and this kid is. Uh, He's got a big, bright future ahead of him in the CFL, I think. But they really missed C.J. Gable when he came to pass protection because the Alouettes, especially in the first half, were really getting after Mike Riley, and they were hitting him. The Eskimos cannot allow this to continue to happen. The Alouettes, I know they're the Owls, but when they start playing good teams again, and they're going to have to, to get to the Grey Cup, they still got Calgary twice. They got Saskatchewan again. They've got Winnipeg again as well. I know Jeff Coates making some uh, noise on that defensive line, but they can't allow Riley to get hit this much. It's going to wear him down as the season goes on, and Montreal was hitting him in this game. And they had a lot of opportunities being on the field for over 38 minutes. Yeah, yeah, the time of possession um, was lopsided. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you cannot let Mike Riley, you know, take the beating that he did. Uh, he might have broken his nose on that touchdown plunge. Um, you know, the trainers were looking at it and adjusting some stuff, and it looked a little different after the game. Um, but that that that's not on his own line. But yeah. at the same time, you know the guy's a warrior, and he'll take these hits to make plays. But you have the biggest... Hands down, the biggest on average O line. Like O'Donnell's what six eleven? Yeah, he's the Undertaker out there, man. Yeah, um, you need to protect this guy. He is your franchise. Um, if he goes down, I granted Kevin Glenn, great backup quarterback. Uh, you're not putting Daniel Bryan in there to start games with Kevin Glenn there, but your best chance to win is Mike Riley. You need to protect him. Um, as for Montreal's defense. They've been on the field now in the last two games for 156 snaps. <laughs> At some point, these guys are going to get wore out. And Stubler said it. Stubler said it after the game last week that 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 that's probably the most he's ever 
ever seen a defensive team have to take on snaps, and they almost matched it. Wow. On Saturday. Like, that's crazy. Uh, a couple more things on this game. Jason Moss was preaching that they need to stop with the penalties. They're giving up, basically, on average, an entire football field a game. And and this one, they did it again. Nine penalties for 105 yards. The saving grace is that Montreal had 14 penalties for 129 yards. It's going to be really... And, and three in a row before they snap the ball. It's going... Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be really interesting to see if... Moss is going to practice what he preaches here, and if there are going to be some changes at practice this week, because he ranted and he ranted saying, guys are going to lose playing time. They're going to get kicked out. If uh, they're going to continue to take these penalties, we're going to see here if Moss really means what he's saying. Okay, uh, then Chris Edwards shouldn't be playing. He's been taking penalties every Uh, week for about a year. Yeah, let let's see let's see Jason Munch bench Duke Williams. Let's see how that goes over after his objectionable conduct penalties. Because I guarantee you that is not happening. So I think he's full of crap. <laughs> Speaking I of really Duke Williams, do. he does take the objectionable conduct penalty after scoring a touchdown. And I think it's another instance of Al Bradbury power tripping a little bit here. He basically does. <laughs> <laughs> the booster juice advertisement, the triangles uh, around the stadium. He does a military crawl through the advertisement. I thought it was a great celebration, but I was watching. I was watching the damn ref, thinking he's going to throw it. He's going to throw it, and he totally. And, and by rule, it's at by by rule, it's the right call. Yeah, and he totally ended up throwing. Uh, the flag, objectionable conduct on that one. I'm sure Duke's going to get free booster juice for the rest of the season. But my beef is that mm-hmm. Winnipeg gets away with this every home game. They're running into the crowd up the stairs. They're jumping up the stairs. Darvin Adams ended up taking the camera and was yeah, filming his that, teammates. That I had a huge problem with. How does... Okay, let me be clear here. I think none of this should be penalized. I really no. I I I, I full heartedly agree with you there. I think it's fun. <laughs> I think it's yeah. awesome to see these celebrations. I don't like the celebrations when you're getting in the guy's face, uh, your opponent. But if they're having fun out on their own after scoring, I absolutely love that. But if the camera one doesn't get flagged. And he's got a fifty thousand piece of a fifty thousand dollar piece of equipment in his hands, and they're actually delaying the game a little bit. Mm-hmm. Then the booster juice one—it's it, nothing in comparison. Darvin Adams did I, okay. I'm going to start from the top. I totally agree that these that this rule is stupid. It's dumb. Uh, what's why? You're not hurting anybody. If somebody's feelings are hurt because you're celebrating a touchdown. Then stop them from scoring a touchdown. <laughs> make make a play. I'm sorry, but it's not their job to stop. It's your job to stop them. I don't I don't believe there's such thing as running up the score. I'm not going to stop playing because you suck. Number two, the consistency is a joke. I, I don't understand how Darvin Adams get doesn't get a penalty and and Duke does. 
But then you look at, you know, it's Al Bradbury, so we're used to this kind of stuff. I don't know. Are, are they watching um, Duke? Because he got the he got the objectional so. conduct for using the towel that he carries around anyway. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like referees would start to watch Billy Smith, right? Because they they know what he does. Somebody brings it to their attention, so they watch it. Um, I I have no problem with celebrations as long as they're not delaying the game. I don't want a ten minute, yeah, a ten minute you know prolonged. Then it then then it's an issue. Then it should be a penalty. But we see it in Green Bay. Guys jump into the stands. It's the only stadium you're allowed to do that in the NFL. Um, with the Lambo leap, they call it. I um, hate you know, that. I have I no think problem that's with guys. Stupid. The grandfathered Why? celebration. That's one of the dumbest. Oh, the grandfathered is dumb. Yes. <laughs> But like for for the bombers to go up in the stands, I got no problem with that. You know, get the, it's great for interaction with the fans. Nobody's getting hurt. Nothing nothing's happened. Once something does happen, you know, when a guy falls down the stairs and hurts himself, that'll that'll go away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> O'Shea um, will put a stop to it. Yes, but hey, Darvin Adams, you're down by 18 points. That too. What are you celebrating for? What the hell are you celebrating for? That's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. Like, I'm sorry, but if I'm if I'm playing hockey and I'm down nine one, I score a goal. <laughs> I maybe fist bump a couple teammates and I just skate to the bench or I skate to center for the face off. Like if it, if it's a, if it's a game tying touchdown, yeah, I get it. But to have a huge celebration, I get it. It's your second touchdown. You're 138 yards or whatever it was. You're down by 18. Give the ref the ball. Go back to the sideline. And work on the next drive. Talk to Matt Nichols. Talk to your OC. Talk to your head coach. Devise a plan where you're going to get in the end zone again. Don't like, 18. That's embarrassing. And Matt, and Matt Dunnigan said it on air. And and he's I I fully agree with him. I think he's completely right. If, if you're up, if you're down by that much, you have nothing to celebrate. No. If it's your if it's your first career touchdown, your first career goal in that situation. Okay, I get it. Celebrate that fact, but just a celebrated touchdown, it was stupid. And the fact that he didn't get a flag was an absolute joke. One more note on the game. Um, Bryant Mitchell gets his first start of the season, and he makes it count. Nine targets. He had seven catches, 128 yards, and a touchdown. Including That touchdown pass, he had no business catching. Riley uh-huh. <laughs> Riley gets nailed and he just threw a prayer and Mitchell played that play right to the whistle, tracked that down and caught the touchdown. The Eskimos have some real interesting roster decisions to make here because Vidal Hazelton is about to get uh healthy here and I there's there's two spots and three great receivers and it's between uh-huh. Stafford, Mitchell and Hazelton. I don't know how you mess with what you have going after that game. Um, I know they say you don't lose your spot to injury, but... You can't take uh, Mitchell out now. <laughs> no, and he had probably one of the best sound bites of the year so far after that touchdown. So that was that was fun. Uh, I could just imagine how loud Kayla was, uh, you know, from the Eskimo Empire podcast that she finally got to see Bryant Mitchell in a game this year. I'm tired of hearing about it and reading about it on Twitter. Um, and, uh, you know, and I they, said this to Andrew, and I'm going to put it in public <laughs> on the podcast. Nothing made me happier than Aaron Grimes whiffing on that tackle on B.J. Cunningham and Cunningham scoring the touchdown. So I'm going to leave that. Oh, <laughs> oh it, that, that was a thing of beauty. I'm sorry, but I can't stand Grimey. 
So let's go to the he last game of the week. talks too much and doesn't back it up. There are some people real excited to hear us talk about this damn game. The Riders beat the Stampeders 40-27. to I have put a concerted effort into not sounding like a rider homer on this podcast, but I don't know if I'm I think I've be done a really do good job of that. I don't know if I can do it this time around. How sweet it is! I I, I did not feel comfortable uh, until it was <laughs> thirty-one to six. At that point, I felt comfortable that the riders were going to win this one. But in the first half. The Riders had a special teams, a defensive, and an offensive touchdown here. But I think this needs to be said. How damn different is this team without number 89? It's a huge difference. And um, ah, it, On the sideline, only, it looked like a completely yeah. different team. Yeah, there, there was no negativity. Uh, you know, you didn't have that. Diva prima donna bullcrap that goes on. Um, you know, they're a different team on and off the field now. Uh, you know, we there was supposed locker room issues, and we talked about it because of Deron Carter and, we, you know, the fights that he's had. Now, the, and bringing Rob back, bringing Rob Bag back, you know, it just melds everything back together of good veteran presence. And you tweeted it out that now they are undefeated with Rob Bag on the sidelines. And I was like, ah, yeah, okay, you're right. Um, you know, it's just they're a team. You don't have one guy that the coach has to babysit. Now Jones and, and McAdoo and all those guys, they can focus on what they need to focus on and not worry about this guy ruining a game plan because they're not as concentrated on the game because they got to worry about Duran. Yeah, and Jones had his 15-minute meetings with Duran Carter last season. They stopped this year, uh, and I really think that this is why uh, Carter stayed on defense. So McAdoo and Caleros and the other receivers didn't have to deal with Carter's crap, but I don't want to talk about mm-hmm. him anymore. It- uh you're 26 years old. You don't need a babysitter. Yeah. Hey, right? although that's embarrassing. If I mean babysitters make if a I lot have... these days, but I don't think they make as much as Chris Jones. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> hey, Kid, if I can make six hundred thousand dollars babysitting, I'd do that every day. I still wouldn't do it. <laughs> you still wouldn't do it? Nope. <laughs> I'd go pump gas. <laughs> Not a chance. Look, and I I have to say this, too. The calls for Brandon Bridge have been silenced. There were a (laughs) lot of people, and I know he did not have a passing There's got to be one. But Zach Caleros, like, how different is this team with a real quarterback? He looked so confident, so poised back there, and I, I know the no passing touchdowns thing. But when he did what he did against the Stampeder defense, it's incredible. 25 of 34 for 270 yards. And this game could have been a lot. uh, It could have been a big wider spread here if the Riders uh, would have turned some of those field goals into touchdowns. Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, he didn't throw a touchdown. You know, the offense only scored one, I think, was it not? Um, yeah, and it was uh, he, the Nick Marshall lining up in the Wildcat formation. Wildcat. <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on right now. Like, that blew my mind. 
Um, this team with Kalaros back there ha- has a leader, you know, a-, a veteran that has done this before. He's ha- been in two great cups, um, you know, a field general. I, I like he he controls what goes on. He knows what's happening. Brandon Bridge, I, I know the only way that he's going to get better is to get reps and, and to get playing time and, and become part of that offense. But when you have a guy like Kalaros, there's no way Bridge is getting in there. Um, you know, he he calm. It's a calming influence on this offense, and the guys know, um, you know, that they're going to get the ball. The timing will be there. Um, you know, he protects the ball. He does. He does all the little things that he needs to do to get his team down the field. And granted, it didn't turn into touchdowns this week, but. They turn they turn it into points. The defense showed up in in spades. You know, they twenty five fantasy points. Forget forget the twelve they scored just in touchdowns. Um, that's huge. The turnovers. You know, they they, they got to believe. I mean, there was a whole team effort. But having Zach Kalaros back there changes that offense exponentially to the point where not every drive had to end in a touchdown. Like you always felt with Brandon Bridge that if they didn't get a touchdown, that you know. The next drive was going to end poorly. We know that if if Saskatchewan doesn't get a touchdown, or they only get a field goal on a drive. There is a chance that you know Zach Kalaros is going to make those little adjustments or find something in the defense and and get a touchdown on the next one. There's always that chance. I always felt with Brandon Bridge that there wasn't that chance if he didn't finish a drive uh, early in a game. I always felt like he wasn't going to get there. And you know what? It's kind of like hockey uh, when you're a defenseman and you got a good goalie back there. You 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 play a little with a little bit more confidence because you know there's a good chance that your goalie's going to make the save, and I think maybe that's what we see with Caleros. He gets to play with a little bit more confidence here because he's mm-hmm. got that rider defense to back him up if they do turn the ball over, and, and not only the defense but the offensive line now, yeah, uh, doesn't have to worry about you know covering an entire field. You know they they just got to create him a they got to make him a pocket and he'll take care of the rest. Yeah, they they bring in uh, Cofield there as the left tackle there, and the the offensive line has been playing completely different than what we saw at the beginning of the season. And the fact that they were able to keep Caleros as clean as they kept him against the Calgary Stampeders in that front seven is an accomplishment. I do not think that the Stampeders took the Riders lightly. And I'm also not shocked that the Riders won this game. I am shocked how they won it. (laughs) I I figured they might win, you know, a a 12-10 game with four field goals. I was at that 15-9 game last year, and it was brutal. See, I was expecting a win like that, maybe. Um you know, we, we focus so much on the Stamps not losing after a bye week. Uh, it's been so long. It's been like 13 years. Um, we forgot that, you know, the Riders had a bye too, and Chris Jones is a pretty damn good defensive coordinator. Yeah. And he he dialed up a game plan and totally made the Calgary offense in the first half look pedestrian, which I was not expecting. And, and their defense, their defense didn't. Have, well, their defense didn't really kill them in the first half. It was their offense, you know, turning the ball over and their special teams turning the ball over. So, I mean, the, I mean, a fourteen nothing lead. I, I, I wasn't comfable at thirty one to six. I texted Andrew and I told him 
here comes the, or after they scored their two quick touchdowns, I'm like, see, my pick'em is still safe. And then Saskatchewan scored. I'm like, hey, well, I'm going two and two this week, so I guess crap on this. Hey, Bo had four touchdown passes. Uh, I know mm-hmm. the one was a big breakdown uh, for Devaris Daniels. He gets two touchdowns. Kamar Jordan does. Breskison uh, has the touchdown as well. You think that was interference at the end of the game? Absolutely. Yeah, me too. 100%. Yep. Me too there. Now, I, I don't think it would have helped the Stampeders win, but the win might have been, you know, <laughs> it was. It wouldn't have been a 13-point difference. And that's what makes this Stampeders team so good. If the Riders went out there and they gave up 105 yards in penalties like the Eskimos did against Montreal, zero chance. It would have been 24-6. to six. It would have been 24-6 at halftime for the Stamps. Yeah, zero chance that the Riders win this game. But the Stamps had mm-hmm. 55 yards in penalties. The Riders only had 60. So you, you do basically need to play a perfect game because even when the stamps are down 25 they're gonna fight their way back in this game oh for sure they they will take advantage of every little mistake you make oh yeah um that those tables kind of turned on sunday with the stamps making the majority of the mistakes it seemed um and again another ejection in this one for you know they called it rough play, but I'm pretty sure – I heard on the live mic when they were talking to Dickinson that it was abuse of an official. And when they were walking uh, off the field, he was just costing himself more and more money because he wouldn't shut up. Yeah, and uh, maybe Emmanuel Davis knew that there's only a max that he can get fined because of <laughs> because of the CBA. But Yeah, he got his money's worth, that's for sure. So I think it's – yeah, he did. <laughs> So Jacarid Davis, he basically had Trey Mason in a chin lock, and he was not yep. letting go. And I I know fans of both teams are going to see this incident in completely different, in completely opposite ways because uh, of their allegiances here. But he was not letting go of Mason's head, and I'm thinking, man, this guy's neck's not going to be feeling good tomorrow. And then. An offensive lineman is always going to back up his running back and his quarterback. So Dan Clark gets in there, throws some guys around, and there's a melee. But this is where the season really cranks up. We're getting close to Labor Day. The Stamps want that undefeated record. And these teams do play one more time in October. They might play again in November. And I'm looking forward to those possible matchups. <laughs> oh, those could be fun. Um for sure. Like it, I mean, these two teams always seem to either play an absolute blowout like we saw yeah. in July or these games are super close or, you know, this one, it didn't look close, but I mean, it, it, it was closer than it looked. I mean, Calgary had a chance to make it a one score game and then possibly get the ball back. But I don't care what team you cheer for. And we all know, like, we're Ryder fans, but I crap on the Riders as much as any other team. Um, that. Why? Okay, I, I, I'll never understand this. When you tackle a guy, why do you have to lay on top of him for 30 seconds? Yeah, I. sometimes what they're are you on the bottom of a pile, but I think that... Yeah, there was no pile there. No, there wasn't. Uh, he, he wanted to put him to sleep, it looked like. Yeah, and at the same time, the refs could have thrown a flag before it escalated to that because he's, you know... Uh, laying on top of him and putting him in a chin lock kind of idea or kind of thing, but... I mean, 
of all the refs, I did not think Kim Murphy would be the guy to throw somebody out. Yeah, that's for something, true. For something in a scrum that I barely, I couldn't even see Emmanuel Davis in that scrum. He Well, there were rumors that, I don't know if they're rumors, but apparently he spit on the ref. The only thing that I saw when he was yelling at the ref walking off the field, there was a little bit of a say it, don't spray it, Sergeant Slaughter thing going on there. Oh my goodness, is that disgusting. <laughs> No, I don't know if he intentionally spit on uh, an official before getting escorted off the field, but uh, some people said Pulling that, a Robbie Alomar. Yeah. So, oh, and when you get spit on, it is the absolute worst thing. There's nothing more degrading. No, no, I'd rather... Oh, it, it is terrible. There are a few... Let's ri- not go there what we'd rather have. Yeah. There are a few rider <laughs> notes I do want to mention. Um, Nick Marshall... Has the pick six. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he has the Wildcat rushing touchdown as well. He was a quarterback once upon a time. Uh, I think the bye week. In re- a national championship game. I think the bye week really let them put that play into the playbook, and they whipped mm-hmm. it out against the Stampeders. It was really fun. Oh, and any time that like, the Wildcats kind of come and gone in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, teams have sniffed it out, found a way to stop it. Um but if you don't see it that often, you don't game plan for it, and especially after bye week, Chris Jones had two weeks to do this. Uh, and you know, Calgary. When was the last time Calgary saw saw the uh, Wildcat offense? So I mean, it kind of catches them off guard. And you got a guy who can run that play, uh, you know. And if if things didn't open up, I'm sure there was probably a pass option somewhere in there. Um, but he didn't need it. Uh, so stuff like that, I like. Um, you're not going to see it all the time, and that's kind of why I like it because it's it's nice to see a little bit of a breath of fresh air to this offense that seemed stagnant in the last couple weeks. Jordan William Lambert's 10 targets, 10 catches, 152 yards. Uh, I really like him against the Lions secondary in this upcoming mm-hmm. week. <laughs> so that was a nice game mm-hmm. from him. Um, as for defense, Matt Elam. Holy crap. Uh, all of a sudden... There is maybe a little bit of depth in the Riders' secondary. Maybe not, you know, the deepest of depths here. But once um, Derek Moncrief gets healthy, you got another linebacker in there. Purifoy was playing in this one. Edom has played linebacker. Elam has played linebacker. He had two sacks after getting blitzed as well. So... We were waiting, like, why isn't Elam getting in there? And it seems like after this bye week, he was kind of worth the wait. And, and don't forget, Kresden Butler will be coming off the injured list at some point, too. Yeah. Like, these guys, I, apparently, we've had depth all along, but <laughs> well, all of what the depth was stuff? injured. It's almost like Chris Jones treats everything before Labor Day as the preseason, but it kind of digs your. You digs yourself a little bit of a hole when you want that home playoff game, when you want to keep up with yep. the Calgary Stampeders. Why wasn't this stuff and, figured out in July or June? And maybe and maybe not having to travel two time zones for a playoff game. Yeah. For, for an East final. Twice in a row. Like, um, I get it. A lot of they 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 said on the broadcast a lot of teams break their seasons up into sixes. Yeah. You know, first six, middle six, last six. Well, Chris Jones is, you know, before Labor Day, after Labor Day, and after Labor Day, they seem to turn it on because everybody that was 
quote-unquote injured on the six-game list before Labor Day is all of a sudden healthy, and all of a sudden they have depth again. Charleston Hughes uh, will be the last note on this game. He has to be talked about. He is, I think, without a doubt, the front runner for defensive player of the year. I really don't think the Stampeders thought he was done. Uh, there's a reason why they shipped him to the East Division. I just think that they chose for some younger guys over him. They still have a hell of a defensive line. Uh, th- th- we're not uh, dissing the Stamps' defensive line or front seven at all there. So they send Hughes, save a little bit of money by sending the vet to the East Division, but in five minutes, he's back in the West. Here's the thing, man. He's got 11 sacks on the season. The closest person is Odell Willis with five. And they'll still find a way to give it to Alex Singleton. <laughs> if, no, I know there are a lot of games left in the season, but if that happens... <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Here's some stats for you. So in Calgary last year, Charleston Hughes played 14 games, 11 sacks. He's already matched that total. His career high mm-hmm. is 18 in Calgary in 2013. He had it over 16 games, so a little bit more than a sack a game. If this keeps up and he gets the 20 sacks, whoa. Now, There's no way he doesn't win it. Oh, yeah. And I know he's had double digits for, well, now it's official uh, four years in a row. But what a season is he having uh, playing mm-hmm. in that Ryder Green? You know, 11 sacks in, what, eight games? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that, and, you know, three on opening night to... And he was got over. He got he's got over a hundred career sacks now. He had three the opening night. Had two again yesterday. Like this guy just keeps just keeps working and doing his job and, and, and you know getting to the quarterback. If he's not getting to the quarterback, he's making sure that he's getting pressure, making sure he's pushing that pocket. He's moving the offensive line back. He just he helps that defense out so much. And you know we said it. We've said it a lot that that front seven, like these were the two top defenses coming in and. Granted, Cal- they gave up a lot of points, but that wasn't on Calgary's defense as much as it was on their offensive special teams with the turnovers and giving them short fields. But in what we thought was going to be a defensive battle, I mean, Calgary's defense looked somewhat average. Uh, Saskatchewan's defense looked like they were world beaters. I mean, Sam McGuavin untouched. And he, didn't, he didn't jump or anything. He just casually put his hands out. Oh, that block that punt, punt was block. unbelievable. <laughs> right, the pick six, like it just seemed that the, the Riders' defense could do nothing wrong, save for a couple plays that gave up touchdowns later in the game. Uh, but yeah, that, this this is a completely different team now. Um, you know, I still hate Chris Jones. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm not I'm not I'm, that's the hill I will die on. But it is nice to see them finally start winning. Uh, Markway McDaniel uh, ended up tweeting Charleston Hughes saying, hey, I guess every time you yelled sack in practice, you were right. What Hughes would do (laughs) (laughs) when he would get to bow, of course you can't sack your own quarterback in practice. He just yelled sack, and uh, he got to bow in this one. Uh, I think the entire Ryder defense got to bow in this Mm -hmm. one. They were confusing him by changing everything all around, and uh, Jim Barker said it. If you got one defensive coordinator for one game, not an entire season, 
one game, it probably has to be Chris Jones. But Aguavin, Bladek, it was basically uh, an almost perfect performance by everyone involved on that Rough Rider team. Um, I pulled out the car flag. I know I'm in Red Deer, just an hour and a half from McMahon Stadium, but I'll be flying that flag all week long, man. <laughs> oh, I wore my rider hat to work today, and I went in to get McDonald's for lunch, and I got some real dirty looks. Oh, yeah, you're in Manitoba. That's a whole different animal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's uh, – I, I – when I drove here two weeks ago, we crossed over the border, and I just felt a shiver. I'm like, this is enemy territory. Like, we can't stop here. This is bat country. Oh, man. Uh, we will be back on Thursday morning. Travis Curran, Brazilian Thai. We are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. If you like our show... Check out the Alberta Podcast Network. I know we went long today, but, man, the games this week, the season's really cranking up. It's getting to be a lot of fun. So uh, go check out all the shows, albertapodcastnetwork.com. I know there's probably some professionals listening to the show. So there's a podcast all about social media strategy. Uh, from the point of view of two social media strategists, Tyler and Linda. We should probably listen to that. <laughs> it's the Don't Call Me a Guru podcast. Yeah, maybe we could use some of the, their tips, I think. Well, it wouldn't hurt, <laughs> I'm sure. We need to listen to like, all of the professional podcasts yeah. so we can learn how to I think, carry ourselves. I think... I think the main thing is when I go to tweet something, make sure that I'm not on the podcast account. And I'm on my own account. Hey, there's self-improvement podcasts as well. Brazilian Tie, those are for you. <laughs> oh, oh, that's a low blow. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you're not. <laughs> Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Hope you enjoyed the extended listen this Monday night. We will be back on Thursday morning. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.